ഹമ്മദീമീരോജീദ് بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولقد سبقت كلمتنا لعبادنا المرسلين انهم لهم المنصورون وان جندنا لهم الغالبون صدق الله العظيم وبلغنا رسوله النبي الكريم ونحن على ذلك من الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين Respected ulama, brothers and elders, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. All praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Peace and salutations be upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We praise and thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for each and every favor that Allah has blessed us with. We praise and thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for blessing us with another beautiful day of Jumu'ah. We praise and thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for blessing us with the month of Jumadul Ukhra. We are three months away from the month of Ramadan. Less than 90 days away from the blessed month. We make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us with goodness and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from those fortunate ones that see many months of Ramadan in their life. And before you know it, it is going to be the month of Ramadan. Before you know it, the month of Ramadan will be over. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from those who make the best of every opportunity that comes our way. The verse that I recited, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us something absolutely amazing. Allah says that وَلَقَدْ سَبَقَتْ كَلِمَتُنَا لِعِبَادِنَا الْمُرْسَلِينَ Our word of decree has been passed and our decision has been made with regards to all the messengers that we've sent into this world. And what is Allah's decision? Allah says إِنَّهُمْ لَهُمُ الْمَنْصُورُونَ They will most definitely be victorious. And then Allah says وَإِنَّ جُنْدَنَا لَهُمُ الْغَالِبُونَ Our armies will definitely be those that will overpower their adversaries and their enemies. Now, this is a declaration of the verse of the Qur'an. 
However, when we really look into the lives of the various Anbiya that Allah sent into this world, you will find that on face value, it doesn't seem that many of them were victorious. It doesn't seem that many of them managed to achieve what would be the apparent mission that they were sent for. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even speaks in the Quran about the Anbiya that were slain, killed and brutally murdered by their own people. Now if you send to a group of people to guide them to the message of truth and they kill you in that process, are you really successful? Is there some sort of contradiction? So then the question is, what is the actual concept of victory? Because the world will tell you that victory is when I defeat my opponent. Victory is when I win the war. Then I'm victorious. Then I'm the one that's successful. Anything other than that outwardly seems to be a failure or a negative. But Allah says, Our decision has been made with regards to our the messengers that we've sent. They will definitely be victorious. Now this verse of the Quran basically tells us that there's a different concept of victory. There's something deeper than what meets the, the apparent eye. There's something that's much more greater than what we are accustomed to seeing. And when we look at the condition and the situation of the Ummah right now, from going back right to the 7th of October, it's now the 15th of December, more than two months, the Ummah is in chaos. There's a catastrophe unfolding before our very eyes. Everybody is wondering whether there's any end in sight in the very near future. So the question is, are we winning or are we losing? Now the scholars tell us something absolutely amazing. They tell us that if a person or an entire community is brutally killed or massacred, but the outcome of that brutality enhances the cause of Islam and raises the flag of Islam, then this is not a loss, this is not a defeat, this is actually a victory in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's something deep for us to focus on. And there's a story mentioned by the Blessed Prophet wasallam that really emphasizes this concept. So the Prophet wasallam made mention of, a, of an incident of a king that lived in previous times. Now this king, he claimed divinity for himself, as did many of the kings of the past. So they would become so obsessed with their power and their authority that they would assume divinity for themselves. So people must not only take them as the king, but must also worship them. So this king had this type of mindset, but he had a magician that would aid him in his affairs. Now this magician was getting very old, perhaps on the last leg of his life. So the magician comes to the king and tells him that, listen, I don't think I have much time left in this world. But what you need to do is you need to handpick and you need to select a good capable young boy that you need to send to me. I will pass over my skills and my powers to him. So when I'm no longer here, you still sort it out. So the king takes this to heart. He handpicks a, a suitable, capable youngster from the community. And he instructs this boy that, listen, every day you need to go and you need to spend time with this magician and you need to learn from him. En route, as this young boy is now going to the magician, he sees a godly person. He sees a person, a man of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He sees a believer. So the believer meets him and he says, young boy, where are you up to? So he's like, no, I'm headed to the magician. I've got orders from the king that I need to go and learn from him. So then this godly person or this believer tells this boy that, listen, why don't you let me teach you what I know? 
and then you can go and learn whatever the magician is teaching you and after that you can make your own mind up but listen you need to worship Allah I don't worship the king nobody knows about my whereabouts nobody knows that I live here and I prefer to keep it that way I only got one condition you don't tell anyone what you learned from me but every day when you on your way you stop by me when you're on your way back home I'll try and undo what the magician taught you and I'll teach you again and then you can go back home this is a, a young boy with a curious mind so for him, he's up to the, the task and the occasion. So he says, very good, I have no issue with that. So he starts to learn from the, 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 the scholar and from there he goes to the magician. But what happened was eventually now he would be delayed because he would spend a little extra time with the scholar. He'd be delayed for the appointed time that he needs to be by the magician. So when he would go there, the magician would get upset, uh, upset with him. He would beat him. Why are you coming late? Then sometimes he's getting delayed coming back home. He gets into trouble at home. So one day he goes up to the scholar and he says, listen, this is becoming difficult. When I get late by you, the magician beats me. When I get late coming back home, my family is beating me. It's not working out. So then the scholar tells him, see, it's very simple. When you get delayed by me, go into the magician and he asks you why you're late. You must say the king delayed you. He won't do nothing to you. And when you come back home late and your family asks you why you came home late, just tell him the magician delayed you. Your problem will be solved. This worked like magic. Since we're talking about a magician, it worked like magic. And the problem was solved. But now one day, this boy is en route to the magician to go and learn from him. And en route to the magician, he sees a wild animal about to attack a group of people. And these people are fearing for their lives. Now this boy is still curious. He doesn't know what's right, what's wrong. He's an impressionable youngster. Youngsters get carried away. They're ready to see anything new, but they're not too sure of what's the, the actual truth or the reality. So this boy looks at this opportunity and he picks up a stone. And then he says that, Oh Allah, if the words of the scholar are more true than the words of the magician, then please take care of this animal. And he throws the stone at this wild animal the animal falls dead. Now this boy is convinced that the words of the scholar are absolutely true. He's on the right path. But the people that were there, they literally witnessed the miracle. They were fearing for their lives. This small boy picks up a stone and he throws it and the animal falls down dead. Then the word starts going around. This boy is now very powerful. People are sick, they go to him, they get cured. People have a problem, they go to him, the problem is sorted out. He's becoming more and more famous. Now one of the ministers of the king of that time, he was blind. So he hears that, listen, this boy is one very powerful. He goes to the youngster on his own, off the record, off the books, and he tells him that, listen, I'm blind, can you, can you give me my eyesight back? I heard you can do wonderful things. So the boy says that, listen, I can do absolutely nothing. It is Allah that gives cure. But if you want your, eye, your eyesight to be restored, it's very simple. You just need to believe in Allah I will make dua and Allah will cure you. Now, we're talking about the concept of victory. And for those who've just joined us, we said that if an individual or an entire community has to be brutally murdered and mercilessly killed, but the outcome of that tragedy enhances the cause of Islam, this is not a loss, this is not a defeat, this is victory in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're trying to get a better understanding of the concept of victory. So this minister, he's desperate for his eyesight. He said, I'm ready to do whatever it takes. He declares his faith, takes the shahada, the boy makes dua, the man's eyesight is cured. The next day he goes back to report by the, to the king and the king gets a shock. Hey, what happened? You can see all of a sudden. So then he's like, no. 
it is Allah that cured me. He slips up. So the king gets a shock. What Allah are you talking about? I'm the one that's supposed to be the God. So then the minister says, no, no, no. It's actually Allah that is the curer. And then he confesses. I went to the boy that you sent to learn with the magic and to become powerful. And this is what he taught me. So then the king tells the minister that, listen, you either go back to worshiping me or I'm going to kill you. The man says, listen, my whole life I was blind. Now my eyes opened up. Do you actually think I'm going to go back? You can do as you please. He orders for the man's body to be cut in half while he's alive from head to toe. A saw was brought and he made him get cut from head to toe, brutally killed. One murder has taken place, one unjust killing. His next target, he goes for the boy. And he says, listen, I sent you to learn with magic and to benefit me. What's this that you're talking about? And he begins to persecute the boy. Where did you learn this? What is happening? So the boy, after being persecuted, eventually he confesses and he says, listen, I learned this from the scholar. So the king leaves the boy aside and he goes and he headhunts the scholar. He goes up to him and he says that you're the one that's claiming all these claims and you are messing up things in my kingdom. If you don't start worshipping me, I'm going to kill you. The scholar says, you can do as you please. I worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The same thing happens to the scholar. The king orders that he be brought out in front of the community and he be cut in half from head to toe. A second brutal murder has taken place. And now he goes back to the boy and he tells him, see the source of your power and your knowledge is now killed. The one that you converted is killed. Now it's your turn. So it's either you start worshipping me or I'm going to kill you. And the boy says, you can do as you please. I worship Allah. But now he knows this boy got power. So he's a bit skeptical as to how he's going to unfold the process of getting rid of him. So he orders a group of his soldiers that listen, take this boy, go to the top of the mountain, throw him off the cliff and come back. So the group of soldiers tie up the boy, they take him, they go to the top of the mountain. And as they're getting ready to throw him off, he says, Allahumma kfinihim bima He says, Oh Allah, you take care of these people as you wish to take care of them. The mountain begins to shake. All the soldiers fall off that cliff. This boy is standing still. He comes walking back into the court of the king. The king gets a shock of his life. What happened? He says, listen, I told you, you're not going to be able to kill me. I am definitely not going to be worshipping you. So now the king orders another group of soldiers. Okay, that failed. Take this boy in a boat, go in the middle of the ocean and throw him over. Tie him up and throw him aboard. Overboard. They take this boy, they go onto the boat, they go into the middle of the ocean. As they reach the point where they're ready to throw him over, he makes the same dua. Allahumma kfinihim bima shi. Oh Allah, you take care of these people as you wish to take care of them. The boat overturns, all the soldiers drown. This boy swims back to the shore and he comes back walking again into the court of the king. Now the king gets a bigger shock of his life. How am I going to get rid of this boy? And then the boy tells the king that, listen, if you really want to get rid of me and want to kill me, I'll tell you how to do it. And if you do it the way I tell you, your object will be fulfilled. Now the king is desperate. He says, okay, tell me, how do I get rid of you? He says, listen, you need to issue a royal decree that the whole community be gathered at one certain place in the town. And when everybody is gathered, you tie me to a pole, you take a bow and arrow, but before you shoot that arrow to me, you need to declare and say, in the name of the Lord of this boy, and shoot the arrow. That's the only way you're going to get rid of me. The king doesn't really understand. 
what is the deeper message behind this instruction. He is desperate to get rid of the boy. Immediately he issues the royal decree. Everybody is gathered. He gets the boy tied to a pole. He takes the bow and arrow and he says, in the name of the Lord of this boy, and he shoots the arrow. It hits the boy and the boy dies. A third brutal murder and killing has taken place. But the moment the arrow hits this boy and he drops dead, the entire community present declare their faith and they say, we believe in the Lord of this boy, we all believe in Allah. It was a brutal killing. It looked like a defeat, but look at the outcome of that defeat. It brought the entire community to believe in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It enhanced the cause of Tawheed and the cause of Islam. All these defeats, all those murders, it brought everybody closer to Allah. So what is the actual concept of victory? We're looking at the Ummah being battered, bruised, bombed, mercilessly killed from the 7th of October till this very moment. And we're wondering what is happening. Are we losing? Is this Ummah being defeated? Allah said, وَلَقَدْ سَبَقَتْ كَلِمَتُنَا لِعِبَادِنَا الْمُرْسَلِينَ Our word of decree has been passed with regards to our messengers. إِنَّهُمْ لَهُمُ الْمَنْصُورُونَ they will definitely be victorious. They have the divine help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah says, Our armies will always overpower their adversaries and their enemies. And let's look at just some of the victories that have emerged from this absolute catastrophe. What are the victories? Number one, from the 8th of October, seventh problem started, everything escalated around the 8th of October. Till this very day, this Ummah across the globe has never been so united for one cause and one purpose as it has been for the last two months, in fact for more than the last two months. The global Ummah, everyone's focus is on the land of Gaza. Everyone's focus is on Palestine. We've been united like we've never been united before. It's like the whole Ummah suddenly has got one voice when normally we can't agree on anything and everybody has a difference of opinion and everybody has their own uh, issue that they deal dealing with. Here the whole Ummah has stood up universally for one cause and for one concern. Is that not a victory from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Is that not something absolutely positive? Across the globe, from different backgrounds, everybody is focusing on one thing for the betterment of the cause of this ummah. Because the Blessed Prophet said that we are like one body. If there's ever a time we need to understand or we get a better understanding of this narration of the Prophet is now. Billions of people have been to Makkatul Mukarrama and Madinatul Munawwara. Not many people have been to the lands of Palestine. In fact, the vast majority of the Ummah don't even know where Gaza is. But look at how we feel the pain. Look at how we we, we rising to the cause. We haven't been there, but yet our hearts are attached to it. Is this not a victory? from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that the people that I've never seen and I have no affiliation with whatsoever, they mean so much to me because why? They are part of the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This indeed is an astounding victory from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that we've come together for an, uh, as an Ummah collectively and holistically after such a long time. That's number one. Number two. What's the second victory that we look at in the midst of this catastrophe and this chaos? 
The second victory that we look at is how the narrative has changed. We always speak about how Western media controls everything. They only tell us what they want to tell us. They only show us what they want to show us. But look at this difficulty and hardship. It's brought the truth to the fore. Now the alternative voice is being echoed. Now the real story is unfolding. So people who perhaps had a different or an incorrect understanding of this whole political issue and whatever is happening, now they are, their eyes are opening up. Hey, hold on. Who's the oppressor and who's the ones being oppressed? Who's right? Who's wrong? Everybody's eyes are opening up. That is a victory from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It brought such a huge catastrophe to open the eyes of billions who were blinded by what's really happening on the ground. That's a victory from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's number two. Number three, what's the third victory that we look at in the midst of this catastrophe? Is that for the last two months, people are turning to Allah like they've never turned to Allah before. Everyone's heart is bleeding. Everyone's eyes are tearing. Everyone's heart is crying. And when you cry, who are you crying to? You're crying to Allah. How many khatams have taken place? How much of dua is taking place? How many good causes have come up from this catastrophe and this difficulty? You turning to Allah is a clear indication of the victory that Allah has given us in the midst of this catastrophe. So what we said, number one, we've never been more united as an ummah as we are for this one cause and this one problem and issue that we're dealing with globally as an ummah. Number two is the narrative has changed and it has changed drastically. Allah will bring the truth to the fore. Even though the disbelievers might be totally against it, all their efforts will go in vain. Allah will bring the truth out to the world. Number three, we turn into Allah like we've never turned to Allah before. And now we come to number four. What is the fourth victory? that we see in the midst of this catastrophe is that the martyrdom of our brothers, our sisters and our innocent children in the lands of Gaza is undoubtedly the envy of every believer. There can be no greater honor than being martyred in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As painful as it is, as heartbreaking as it is, you have no idea how fortunate those people are. And just to give you an idea with regards to that, the Blessed Prophet said that every believer that leaves this world and passes away, let's say due to natural causes, nobody who dies wants to ever come back to this world. In fact, many a times when we try to console the them that listen, if your loved one that your heart is breaking for and you are crying for was given the choice to come back to this world, they never want to come back after they see the goodness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for them. So no person from the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that passes on will ever want to come back to this world even if they're given the choice to do so. They are happy where they are. I mean, after all, you're in the company of Allah. Can there be better company? You're in the company of the angels of Allah. Can there be any better grand reception than that? Why would you want to come back to this world? So no one will want to come back except one segment of this ummah. One segment, why would they want to come back? Nobody else wants to come back. Who would ever want to come back in this world? The only segment of this ummah that will want to come back into this world are those that are martyred in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the words of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Why would they want to come back? 
they would want to come back when they see how much Allah gives them as a reward and a token of gratitude for their martyrdom. They say, Oh Allah, you gave us so much for the one time that we gave our life for you. Oh Allah, send us back. We are ready to do it again. We are ready to be bombed to smithereens again. We are ready to be brutally killed again. And again and again. And it, it's fine. Let it continue after they see that how much Allah has given them. In fact, there's a narration of the Prophet that states that when a martyrdom, a martyr sees the grand reception that Allah gives them, when they meet Allah, they actually make a declaration and, and a, a declaration and they say, Ya layta ikhwanana ya'lamuna ma sana'allahu lana. If only our brothers and the community back home could be exposed to how much Allah has honored us. If only they know how much we've got for this difficulty and this hardship. So we bleed him as an ummah and we cry him as an ummah. But just hold on for one second. Your crime is justified. Your heartbreak is absolutely in order. We are human beings. But don't forget how much of good they are getting. It's the greatest honor for this ummah. We don't lose. We don't have casualties. We don't lose civilians. We gain martyrs. You see, we also need to correct, correct the statements. We don't have casualties and we don't lose civilians. We most definitely gain martyrs in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the reality of this catastrophe. And when you look into the life of the Blessed Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and you look into the 1400 year history of this ummah, you'll find many dark moments. You'll find many difficulties. You'll find many tragedies that unfolded. But after every one of those dark moments and those tragedies, came the unseen help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the whole situation turned to a better cause and a better situation. So if there's difficulty now, there's surely ease that's going to follow. And we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala show us that victory and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remove the difficulties and the hardships that the entire ummah is facing at large. And let's also not forget that we also at that part of the year where many of us perhaps are looking forward to a vacation, we're looking forward to spending time doing different things that we normally do. Let's, let's not forget that the tragedy is still unfolding. And let's also not forget that your time is the most valuable asset that Allah has given you. If you are a little free now, get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while you still can. Normally with your hectic schedule, you don't have time for Quran, you barely making it to the masjid, you don't have time to visit family, you don't have time for many things because you're so occupied. If Allah has given you free time now, make sure it's constructive time. You know, when we were young and we were in Madrasa, so the Ustads would tell us that make your holidays holy days. That time we're like, no, 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 you can't be serious. What do you mean make my holiday holy day? I want to have fun. I want to, I want to relax and take it easy. No, we don't take it easy. Get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You couldn't be punctual because you were at work in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah gave you some free time now. Come early to the masjid. You never got time to read Quran because you were occupied picking up children, dropping up children, doing this, doing that. You were in one meeting and out to the next meeting. 
Now you don't have those meetings. Spend time with the Quran, the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The whole year has passed by. You never met so many relatives that are still living in this world. Don't worry about going and gallivanting throughout the whole world. If your tickets are booked, mashallah, go and enjoy your trip. But just take a drive to your neighbor, take a drive to your family that's living in the same street as you and maintain family ties. How sad it is that sometimes we literally globe hunting throughout the whole globe, but you haven't visited a relative that lives in the next street that you're living in the whole year. But you went everywhere else. Maintain family ties. Do things sincerely to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your good deeds have a profound effect, not only on you, on your family, it has an effect on the entire ummah. That's a good deed. Like how if we have to call up uh, a Yasin Khattam now for the land of Gaza and Palestine, everyone will be present. Why? Because we want to do good, we want to draw Allah's help. If you visit your relative for the pleasure of Allah, that's a good deed. You also get in Allah's help. It's a good deed. It's for a greater cause, maintaining family ties for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can't visit the person, pick up the phone, phone them for the pleasure of Allah. Be good, stay good, and inshallah, we will meet Allah in a condition, a good condition that Allah is pleased with us and we are pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah grant us all the understanding.